0: jen and zed are both on the same page of yo kill him you kill him he he, look at how many people he has killed let's just kill him and be done with it
1: welcome to casuals of runeterra episode 79 I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch.
0: And and Hetch being here gets to do his favorite thing in the world, which is to start the hype train. It's been too long. It's been too long <laughs> since we're getting some new crap and that I get to hop on the hype train, rip my shirt off, and ribbon it around my head like a lunatic as I am just getting hype
1: <laughs> and as you guys could probably tell hetch is hype which means that once again we're taking a break from yordles um because it's reveal season and we Woo! have some new champions coming out that we have to talk about um in the grand scheme of things don't worry yordle fans we'll get back there there's plenty of time we'll, we'll be here forever so we don't have any choice um <laughs> another thing we don't have any choice in the matter of is housekeeping. It's up top. That's just the way it is. You can listen to us everywhere. Uh, You can send an email if you want to podcastcore at gmail.com to get in contact with us. Uh, You can also get us on Twitter. It's also easy. Hop in the DMs, slide in, Um, and then visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info. And then follow us on any platform you prefer or all the platforms because that helps with discoverability. Helps us get the word out and then leave, you know, a like and a follow or a short review um, wherever you're listening. But the easiest way is to tell a friend to paint the canvas of their mind by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast.
0: What what an artistic transition. Mm-hmm. What, what beautiful work you've done here. And I think it's only rivaled by the work of
1: Jen. <laughs> So we're talking about Jin today. Um, This episode is Zodiac, and that will become apparent as we talk more about him. Um, Right now we're in reveal season for Legends of Runeterra, the card game. So we're starting to see the cards that are in this rotation of champs. And he was one of the first ones done. It was a very well done event as well. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to terra CCG. Not that they sponsor us. You know, we follow each other. They've always been great. But they always get the card, like, comment or the card quotes way ahead of schedule. Which is great for us because that's what we care about when it comes to the lore. So props to them.
0: Yeah, they 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 save us a lot of time and headache as far as actually tracking down the info that we want. So... We love you guys. Keep loving <laughs> Keep us the great too. work, great articles too.
1: <laughs> uh, let's hop into it. So Zodiac, we're starting with the spell as we always do and Gruesome Theater is the spell that's revealed here. So an actual good card for one, uh, it's a two cost fast spell that has recall a unit with three or less health. Now the cool thing about this card, it's a good mana cost, um, it's fast speed, but it also can target both your creatures and theirs and that's important and it's a unit right so it can be a champion as well um this card is very flexible this card will see play in obviously jinn decks when we talk about him and yasuo decks because it's a cheap tempo spell
0: yeah it's also going to be uh i think a nice tool to be adding into your canon and akali decks as well um but I, I <clears> like it because it this is showing that Riot is really getting on board with h- how to balance the game. Right. Like this like you already mentioned the mana cost is really good, but it is balanced by the fact that it is that three or less health. So if you're trying to, you know, get a nice mana swing. Uh, As far as like using a two drop uh, spell to bounce a bigger unit back to their hand, you're going to have to put some work in to actually lower that HP. So it's not going to be something that hoses a meta, but it'll be a usable card. So that's it. This is a really nice card to see coming forward.
1: Yeah. And then the part we care about the most is the quote, which is simple here. It says artistry cannot be rushed. And that's from Jin himself.
0: Oh, goodness
1: gracious. You got to count to four, baby. You got to count to four. <laughs> so speaking of counting to four, this takes us to our follower, um, which in the art, by the way, on Gruesome Theater, like it, Jin's art on the cards that have been revealed with him in this Ionia region have been great. Like this is peak art as far as the cards are concerned. Um, and it fits his theme very well. stage hand is just as well. Um, great. Uh, So we have a two cost four, four ephemeral that has play, stun, and enemy. Now, yet another card that has potential to be really strong um, for decks that can establish, you know, early pressure, but also decks that can win advantage on board quickly as well. I mean, this card is
0: going to be like pretty much Popping up in a lot of decks because it also has that flexibility of being a good blocker. Like it's a two drop, you're not going to be upset about having in later in the game because I, we haven't said it yet. But this is getting our dumpy seal of approval. Two mana, four four. You know it's getting that dumpy seal on both cheeks. <laughs> on both um cheeks. But like, it's, so a control deck is going to want this because it's a good way to really turn off an, uh, an aggressive deck's attack. Um, I like to play really bad decks, so I'm excited to throw this in my Hecarim deck. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and like keep trying to make Hecarim work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bring back old Hecarim. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is going to be the best quote we've had in a while. And Hetch meant, uh, mentioned counting to four. So we have act four. A young priestess enters our story. Her tale is one of tragedy conveyed on the pale lips of those she betrayed. Desperate to repent for her transgression, she carries in her arms a great burden, a gilded gift for the Noxians she welcomed to her land. We are left to wonder, was it sorrow or the bullet that broke her heart? Ever the Poet. (sighs)
0: ever the poet. I think it, like this quote is also really good because it's kind of it really sets the theme of the card apart from like Noxus cuz this feels like a Noxus card on its surface. You know, play a big m- low mana thing that's going to kill itself uh that can really boost a aggressive play that if this said Noxus on it I'd believe it. But yeah. how do you make it, you know, an Ionian card? You specify that you're killing yourself to take out some Noxian villains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, nothing says Ionia more than that.
1: <laughs> yes, that's actually a great point. And, I, you know, a little, little foreshadowing to our next episode for some concepts from this card that Hetch mentioned. So go back over what he said, and we'll get back into uh, why stagehand and this quote is important to me in all things Jin. Uh, but let's talk about the man.
0: Yeah. Um, and like uh, it's going to be important in this story too, because we're going to be talking about Jin as far as, you know, how a simple stagehand became one of the most prolific villains in all of Ionia. And it's an interesting tale because none of it starts off with Jin. We start with the legend of the golden demon. So, throughout almost all of Ionia, there is a constant legend or folk tale that goes around every little, from the smallest village to the largest cities, of the golden demon, uh, which is a demon that comes into a town, kills without a sense of motive or a pattern, and leaves the corpses in a very strange state like all the corpses always have are they're staged in ways to depict like a picture or a scene like they're there's always set to tell a story after they're killed Uh, so it's kind of gruesome just from like the little bit of the start off here because you I walk into a room and there's, like, two dead bodies and they're, like, doing, like, some kind of, like, lover's embrace or, like, their last dance with, like, the bullet holes expanded to, like, and shaped to look like roses.
1: Yeah, it's, it kind of, if you think about the comments, you know, it's always said through history, some of the best art is tragedy or tragic, right? And Jin takes that literally, um, and then that kind of leads into this concept of, you know, this grotesque display of his own artistry and what's driving him to do this. And like, especially at this point of the story and
0: a little bit of a foreshadowing later, mm-hmm. even a little past the story, we don't know why no one no one really knows why uh and it's a lot like the you know the serial killed the serial killer history in the united states like some of the most popular of those stories are ones that just never they they go unsolved like there's um specifically like the zodiac killer like that's now just a legend and a myth but it's something that actually happened and that's weird um so with the golden demon One of the issues is that uh, since it is such a widespread thing and there are dead bodies turning up, despite the fact that you can go into a town and listen to a puppet show, like a medieval puppet show where they're telling kids to be good or the golden demon's going to get them, they're still, you know... There are still mercenaries and local militia that are going out into the forests and all these stranded paths trying to track down the golden demon because yeah it's gone on for years and years, and it's a fun story to tell kids, but people are dying, and we gotta figure out why yeah this goes on for kind of an un amount of time we don't know how long this actually lasts but after you know going to a lot of spiritual advisors and going to the actual military because this is at a point where they're like ionia doesn't have a military but they're starting to build one up because of the noxian threat like they are trying to find all this information through every source and they can't so they go to the biggest guns that all of ionia has and that is the Kinku Order. And the Kinku Order at this time is led by Master Kusho. For anyone out there who's listened to our Z episode or a Shin episode, you might remember Kusho popping up there because Kusho is Shin's father. So a lot of this is going to tie into both of the origin stories for Shin and Zed, because a big part of the beginning of their story is that both of them changed after they hunted the golden demon. And if you want to know what happens after they hunt the golden demon, you can check those episodes out because we don't want to, you know, go too far into those details of the breakup between those two Uh, favorite ship. (laughs) But they... (laughs) But now we're actually going to talk about the hunt that kind of started the origin stories off for both of them. So Kusho takes on his two apprentices, who are Shen and Zed, and they start hunting the golden demon. Now, for anyone who hasn't listened to those episodes before, the Kinku Order, yes, it's an order of ninjas. But one of the reasons that Shen, if you've played League of Legends, is the worst ninja ever because he's a tank. Is because the Kinku Order is kind of more like, um, for the Marvel comparison, a Doctor Strange character. They deal with the spiritual world. Yes, like they, everything <clears throat> that the Kinku Order does is to make sure that the spirit world and the physical world are in balance with each other, and that neither one of them take over the other. So, if it's not a spiritual thing, the Kinku Order doesn't care right and that that's the Kinku order kind of in a nutshell yeah so zed shin and kusho they do go hunting the golden demon and this hunt lasts for like four years because one of the reasons that you know they're getting pulled in here is no one has been able to track down anything about the golden demon this is one of the reasons everyone thinks it's an actual demon at this point yeah um and so for four years they Go go from town to town, city to city, looking at the grisliest of murders that are then shaped up to look like pieces of art, yeah, and every time coming up with nothing. So it takes a a it's begins to drain on the spirit of each member of this party. um we actually get like a little quote here of like Kusho was uh, famous for having a red mane. So he was famous for like a long red hair. And at the end of this four years, it has turned to snow white. Like is he, all the color in his hair is disappeared. And the, that level of stress is applied to Shin and Zed as well. They come out a little, you know, physically better just because they're, they're teenagers at this point of the story. Yeah. But they, they see some, they say some massive crap. like
1: <laughs> it's it's a great setup for a story because, like Hench mentioned, this wasn't the intent of the order. It, there are two things that are happening. And even if you listen to like our Aurelia episode, like listen to the Ionian episodes for sure, um because you have a situation where a region that is focused on peace is forced into a place of defense and then soon more offensive type things that they're not used to. And what happens is the people that are best suited for the job, unfortunately get pushed into those roles, right? So the king who being pushed forward to have to do this um, is already a stressful situation on history, right? On their history, on their way of doing things. So then on top of that, to be dealing with something so great that's local is just another, it's just icing on the cake, right?
0: Yeah. And it's like, even compounded by the fact that the more that they are thrusted into this position, the, the more that it puts a strain on what their position is because the Kiku order doesn't care about the physical world. Like they're not here to police the physical world. They're here to maintain its balance with the spiritual world. So with this investigation, they're constantly seeing death, over and over again and they're unable to do anything to prevent these deaths from happening and that's kind of what leads to the separation of zed and shin as far as like breaking up the king Koo order uh, a little spoiler there but it, this happens because zed is like yo what's the point of dealing with the spiritual world if we leave this world to die like what's the point of maintaining this balance if there's nothing left here to balance and these stresses end up kind of hitting ahead when after these years of investigations they get enough evidence to support that this is a serial killer it's not a demon it's not a spiritual being that's going out and killing these people it is a either a human or vastaya Uh, which we haven't covered too much of Vastaya uh, other than like talking about Ari with those spoiler cards, but we haven't really like touched on Ari too much. So the Vastaya are like the humanoid uh, animal creatures. So, but once it's confirmed that it's a physical being doing this stuff, Kusha wants out like four years of your life dedicated to hunting this one guy and you find out it is a guy you're hunting yeah and kusho is immediately like bet we're done <laughs> case closed it no longer has any concern with us literally
1: not their jurisdiction
0: <laughs> yeah and i like it, it's kind of like it does make sense because it is like this is how the kinku order operates but the fact that he so readily says hunt over yeah just after having seen countless numbers of dead bodies and you know that like the moment you give up on it you're just letting this guy keep doing it yeah and like that's it's wild it's kind of really sets in to stone how the kinku order was built Mm -hmm. and how it was meant to operate and Shin and Zed are the only reason that this hunt continues because they both push Kusho into continuing the investigation to track this guy down because it's like, well, there's still a killer out there. We have to do something. And once they now know that they're hunting a person, they go back to their clues. They piece everything together and they're able to kind of put a loose timeline of these killings next to a traveling theater. Uh, and this traveling theater is uh, owned by a Zhu Yun, Zhu Yun. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if we're saying it right, but you know this show. It's officially Zhu Yun. We're right. You're wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> and so once they're able to kind of put these pieces, clues together, they go to the next town that this traveling theater group is supposed to be at, and Kusho disguises himself as a very famous calligrapher and they wait and sure enough the next target that the golden demon settles on is this very well-known calligrapher and he goes to kill him but it turns out to be kusho backed up by zed and shin and this is the first time that we actually get a name for the golden demon and it is a stagehand uh-huh. A stagehand from this Zuyun traveling group under the name Kada
1: Jin. Yeah. And the importance here is now looking at other media that deals with like serial killers. What tends to happen in a lot of these cases from like if you look like the early 70s and stuff like that is they will catch the right guy early on and they'll do investigations. They'll hold them for a bit or whatever and then something happens where like there's not enough to keep them or they end up getting out early for those charges and they go back to doing what they were doing. But now they're more alert to that somebody's on their trail. Because up to this point, Jin is just doing his art, right? But now there's cops on his trail and we'll see what happens next.
0: Yep. And the as far as with this, we what ends up happening is kind of more of like a dispute between our ninjas that end up tracking down Jin than the actual than an actual fight i'd like to imagine that there's like some crazy fight because like i mean we're talking about three ninjas and then this madman with a single shot pistol that has just been going around like that you know it would be fun. You know, I, I want to see this animated. It'd be sick. But yeah. what we get as far as a story is that once they track down Jin, they end up arguing over what to do with Jin. Because Shin and Zed are both on the same page of yo, kill him. You kill him. He he look at how many people he has killed. Let's yeah. just kill him and be done with it. Which Shin. On board with it because the cri- the punishment fits the crime. Zed doesn't even bat an eye. They it's like, oh, that's him. Zed just dives in and yeah. goes for the kill. He hits that R key and he is ready to dump every ability into this <laughs> guy. And the only reason that Jen survives is because Kusho stops Zed from yes. killing him. And Kusho's like, No, we don't kill. Like, we we don't kill humans, I don't care what he did, this is not what the order is about. Like, the fact that we're even hunting this guy is against what we do. So I'm not gonna break any more rules.
1: And this is the importance of the overall Jin story. It's not about a villain that ultimately ends in a, a Sakuga battle. It's about the mental strain and the pulling in different directions of the order that is the story here and what that does to this group of people specifically.
0: I mean, it is like specifically this group of people, but it's also a great foreshadowing on Ionia as a whole, because at this point, we're just at like the most heated tensions that exist for the Noxian empire and the rest of Runeterra. And this is kind of a foreshadowing of what all of Ionia has to go through, which is, do we give up our traditions and what we believe in as spiritual beings to defend our homeland? Or do we hang on to these traditions and whatever happens to the physical world happens? And this is Kusho is very much an example of someone who is holding on to tradition at all costs. Because we've already broken enough rules, so we're not killing him. We're going to put him in prison. Ionia doesn't even have a prison, all right. Like yeah. so, where he ends up getting uh, taking Jin is to the Tula Monastery, which is now called the Tula Monastery Prison. <laughs> like yeah. they, they just kind of say, "Well, it's a prison now." But <laughs> Jin is not really a prison. Jin is not really like locked up in solitary confinement or anything. He is kept on the grounds of this monastery and he is, and we don't know exactly how they're able to keep him there, but he is imprisoned in a physical sense in a very wide space, but otherwise he's kind of free to do what he wants on the monastery.
1: Yeah, and one quick side note, cause this is a callback to, if you're a longtime listener, we talked about Demacia, we talked about Jarvin, Garen, but mainly we referenced a bit uh, Zinzao. And why he's such an important character and we'll get there in due time with him because being Ionian himself and taking what he's experienced and learned coming to Demacia to bestow that on these younger guys who are going to lead Demacia. He understands this struggle, right? This pulling of defense versus offense, this pulling of spiritual versus physical and what that means. Um, so, to everything Hetch just mentioned, Jin is a great embodiment of that as well, and we'll get there. I just wanted to I, put that on the I radar. can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to get to Jin <laughs> like,
0: He is such a cool character. Um, but as far as for Jin, one of the nice things about the being imprisoned at this monastery is that we do get a bit of insight into Jin, because the spoiler here is there is no insight into Jin, because he keeps to himself. So even though he's living with these monks for a few years and he's basically free within the monastery, he's just trapped at the monastery, but he's able to show or like to practice anything that he wants while being unarmed. So he shows a very natural and beautiful gifts in a lot of artistic practices uh, noted here is smithing, poetry and dance, but he doesn't say anything about himself. No one knows anything about think him. Of, and he reveals nothing about think himself. Think of
1: him as Hannibal Lecter to a point where perfect. Hannibal Lecter in the stories, yes, he's in a prison, but he has freedoms to continue studying. He has access to anything he needs because he's such a unique being that they need him, right, in Silence of the Lambs and all that stuff. So that's probably a great one-to-one comparison if you want to look at killers, serial killers yeah, through I the history. I think that's perfect.
0: I think that's perfect because it's like when he's not killing people, both L- Lecter and Jen are very amicable people. Yep. Like, and they're both able to, you know, to mingle with high society mm-hmm. in a imperfect in fashion. And you would never know it until it's too late. So <laughs> that, that's perfect. So, and this is where the story kind of like gets even more vague, which is perfect for Jen as a character because we know so little about him is that, His imprisonment lasts until the Noxian invasion comes. So Noxus invades. And if you've listened to our Karma, Irelia, like any other of our Ionian episodes, the Noxus invasion is what really puts Ionia into the nation that we know it is today. All right. And the only thing I'll harp on as far as this invasion is that once they repelled their invaders... Ionia ended up having a power struggle because they had to use physical violence to protect their homeland, which is something that Ionia as a whole did not really agree with. Like they, we, we are a peaceful nation and we're a spiritual nation first. So now that they've experienced physical violence to really get Ionia to be Ionia, they now had this power vacuum of, well, now here are all of our new warlords, and now they know a way to expand their territories, which is physical violence. <laughs> so Ionia ends up going through a lot of these civil wars, and yeah. it's during this time that Jin is set free. We don't know how. We don't know how, we don't know why. So, for the sake of the story, we the biggest and greatest speculation that we have is that one of these warlords paid to get Jin out of prison and was intending to use Jen as a weapon in this game of conquering Ionia. And the issue there is that he paid for Jen. Jen doesn't care about any of this crap either. Like what we know about Jen is that he's very artistic. He only cares for art. So Jen is set free. And when he is next sighted, he's using the weapons from the kashuri armories. So the best way to explain the kashuri armory is kind of a call out to a lot of like f- uh, far Eastern uh, or Eastern Asian smiths that gained renown for weapons of high quality. I think like the easiest one that people would recognize is the name Hanzo Hattori. Um, Hanzo Hattori is an actual historical figure and he was just well known for making good swords. Yeah. Um. Which is impressive because Japan doesn't have ore, so their their swords were always made out of the crappiest metals. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's kind of like that. So when he's using one of the guns, it's like when an anime is like guy pulls out a sword, oh, it's a Hatori, it's a Hanzo Hatori blade. <laughs> like Jen pulls out his gun, and, and Ionians gasp, and yeah. they're, oh, it's a Kashuri gun. Yeah. <laughs> like so, it, it's kind of like that. Um. But the Kashuri, like diving into that, is a story for another time. Yep. Uh, so, but now that Jin is out, he's kind of now got this like backed up, this pinted up urge to really paint a canvas. Yeah. It's like I have all of this art and I have a vision, and I finally now have the chance to show it to everyone. So, what will used to be these single or maybe two killings in a town now turned into like these kind of terrifying bloodbaths. Uh There's even a tale of the new Yanlei order, which is the uh, ninja order that Zed creates after the, the fallout be- with him and Shin. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he, he mounts a direct assault against Zed's ninja faction. Like, Jin is now just on a rampage. Yeah. And he has all of the, the best weapons that Ionia has to offer. And seamlessly, a, an endless bankroll. Like, he could go wherever he wants because then, like, now they're seeing all these, like, artistic, like, massacres. Yeah. Multiple bodies at each one of these massacres put into these artistic displays. But now they're going off of the islands of Ionia. So now they're seeing killings like that in the main continent, like in Piltover and Zahn. And so now the rest of the world is going, what is happening? who is this guy <laughs> like is it is it a demon is it like some kind of supernatural force is it the void what is happening why are all these people ending up dead and that's where jed's story leaves off it, is him going on a killing
1: spree it's one of those moments where it's you know it's a great thing it's a great story but it's one of those moments where the story begins at the end right where you have to do a trilogy in this type of situation because it, the story you're being told from beginning to end feels so natural, but the truth of what's being unleashed onto the world doesn't occur until the end. And you know there's more that has to be had. So I do Jin's story, like we've been we've been waiting for a while to get here. And I just want to preface definitely get ready for the next episode where we go even deeper. But continue, Oh yeah, because
0: there there's gonna be like there are stories out there that really continue past his biographies mm-hmm. so that we get to hear more about Jin and his art after he escapes from the Tulip prison um and we're very excited to get into that but we're also very excited because Jin is showing up in Rune Terra which means we, yes. we get some new cards um and with the way that this works um this is actually like my only complaint about the Jen reveal is that uh, since they were showing Jen off in the path of, um, in the uh, path of champions, like we don't get to, we don't. I, it was hard for me to fully understand how his cards work because a lot of the interactions they had were also the new stuff they were adding into yes. the uh, 2.0 patch for Path. So that that's my only complaint. Otherwise, it was so much fun to watch the. The stream and the videos following after it try to figure out all these cards so if i get something wrong um to date this episode the card's not out yet um and i well i'm just that's my last chance to to defend myself here (laughs) so what we've got as far as jen is a card is he's a four mana four four uh and the mad lads at riot actually did it that's the end of text on the front of the card there it is he's just a four four look at that no keywords riot did it they they (laughs) they they learned from like udir and stuff is like we could still have a champion you know get keywords later without always giving it quick attack um so this jen as far as on the play uh the play here instead of saying play it says origin And the origin is the virtuoso. Yeah. So this is a an effect that is unique to Jin that comes out, and the virtuoso has a ton of text on it. So when the virtuoso is triggered, if a Jin started in your deck for every three fast spells, slow spells, or skills you play while you behold Jin, play a Lotus Trap. Right, and you may put any follower that has a skill into your deck during deck building. So, th- this is really weird. I, it's kind of like a nerf to Howling Abyss as far as the way this card is worded, and I find it really interesting that they took the time to make sure that like you had to build a gin deck to get this virtuoso thing. Yeah, um, but I. The the wording on it is kind of weird, but you basically get a lotus trap every time you trigger a fast slow a fast spell slow spell or a skill. So you trigger 3 of them and on the 4th one you get the lotus trap. So, you know, Gen always counts to 4. And the lotus trap is a skill that deals 1 to the enemy nexus if Gen is in play stun the weakest enemy. Um, so just off the Lotus Trap, there's a stun card in Ionia. Everyone's going to think Yasuo from here. And the card gen itself actually has an attack trigger. And the attack trigger is to deal two damage to all stunned enemies. Yasuo support. Yasuo support. Let's go. <laughs> um, so this, that's already a lot of fun right there. But we get to the... Uh, the level up, and to level Jin up, you have played twelve plus fast spells, slow spells, or skills. So you're going to have to build heavily to get Jin to flip. Um, I think that's going to be really hard to do. But I think just all of the different stun effects he's creating, he's going to be more of a backline champion, anyways. But the flipped version, uh, is a first for Runeterra. So when he flips, he's a four mana, four, four with quick attack. He does not get plus one, plus one. He does not get plus it's one, plus It's not his one. art. It's not his (laughs) art. He was always this flashy. (laughs) But he does get quick attack, so it is easier to attack with him at this point. Um, And the only thing that changes after the quick attack here is that instead of dealing two damage to all stunned enemies, he now deals four damage to all stunned enemies. And the enemy nexus. So you get that extra damage to face. So, I mean, if you flip Jin, you, the opponent's on the clock, good for you. But I think he's definitely going to be more of a back, you know, yeah. kind of sitting on the back lines and supporting Yasuo. But th- this, it looks wild. Like, th- oh. this crap looks fun. Dude, when it
1: comes to flare, you know, once again, we understand now why they waited to do Jin to this point. Because it's going to change the game. It's going to introduce new deck building styles. They're introducing new keywords and new behaviors. On top of having him still have his flavor, right? Like the four for four four all the time. Like that's the way the Lotus traps work. This is all. This is at the top of our list of peak representation of a character from League of Legends to Legends of Runeterra.
0: Yeah, and as far as like outside of the lore and looking at it just from the runeterra perspective it does make me excited to see what future champions come in because of the virtuoso deck building rule he gets to ignore a lot of the region uh limitations to deck building because if it has a skill on it he can grab units from whatever region yep um so uh, th- that, to me, is really exciting because it's showing that they're experimenting with these region combinations and how to get around these region combinations. And we were talking in this episode about Xin Zhao. is Ionia Damasia, Like, he's very much in both regions. So the more that they play with this fluidity of how these regions interact in the card game, the more likely we are to see, like, a cool representation of characters like Xin in the future
1: and we originally i mean, if you go back and listen to our older episodes as well long time listeners will know we we were hoping this would happen when riven came out um yep. and if you haven't listened to the riven episode listen to it and you'll know why but we were so wrong we were so <laughs> wrong but it seems like they just weren't ready um because this kind of fits what we thought with her as well so we're happy to see it i mean as fans of both league of legends and legends of terra we're happy to see the changes coming to Legend of Rune Terra to give it a new boost of life. I mean, it's still healthy. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, that that kind of brings us to the end here where we're gonna have more gin to talk about. Mm-hmm. But for now, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next gin episode.
0: Yeah, look forward to it. All right, take care, everybody.